Hi, I'm Carol Pope, and you're listening to The Stewie Tunes Show with Tony Stewart and Aaron Badgley. Welcome to The Stewie Tunes Show. This is Season 3, Episode 8. We've talked about The King before on this show, but did you know that Elvis Presley is the most imitated singer of all time? On today's episode, we're going to be taking a look at the people who pay tribute to the king. Are you ready to go down the rabbit hole? Because here are 10 things we think you should know about Elvis impersonators. Welcome to the Stewie Tune Show. These are insights and commentary on the music and musicians that shape our lives. And now, let's go back to class with your hosts, Tony Stewart and Aaron Badgley. Good evening, Mr. Badgley. How are you tonight? I'm doing very well, Mr. Stewart. And how are you? I am doing well. We got a big uh, snow dumping here in, uh, just outside of Ottawa. So uh, you guys didn't get snow, did you? We got snow on uh, Sunday. But okay. today, it's just, it's just in the last hour, it's been pouring rain, so it's all gone now. So I didn't oh, have to boy. shovel. I didn't have to shovel. Yeah, no, I've got, a, I've got about, uh, you know, four or five inches of snow on my property here. So yeah, looks That's, pretty. Uh, I bet. Do you have your lights up yet? No, no, I, I haven't decorated for Christmas yet. I got to do that. Yeah. But, uh, Especially lots the of people have. Yeah, man. Have you noticed this year? It's a lot of houses outside are very decorated around here anyways. Yeah. I think it's just the whole pandemic thing too, right? Mm-hmm. Anything you can do to stay positive for sure. Let's do it. Yep. So we have a fascinating topic today. Um, and folks, I have to tell you, Aaron and I plan out the whole season and then we end <laughs> up, uh, we have a weekly meeting and we end up looking at our plan and totally changing it all the time because, you know, it's uh, as we get, we get talking and we say, wait a sec, that would be a great idea. And this idea came up because we were talking about Elvis and then the topic came around to, we should do an, a topic about Elvis impersonators. It's a, it's a fascinating rabbit hole to go down and uh, <laughs> I can't wait to do this. Are you ready to get started? I am. And I just want to make it clear that we're both Elvis fans. So this oh, is huge. A, no, this is not a, a, a slag off on Elvis at all, but, but it's an interesting topic. The whole Elvis impersonating thing is just utterly fascinating. So. It is fascinating. And you know, I was um, good Elvis impersonators, you know, of course they get paid and everything, but it's not about the money for them. They say it really is about channeling that the, the spirit of the King, you know, and, and the good ones are simply amazing at it. They just, it's incredible. Oh, I agree. I agree. And, and, and thankfully with YouTube, you can see a lot of them around the world these days, which is almost fun. <laughs> yeah, and and you can see all kinds of Elvises too. I mean, now there there are female Elvises now. And uh, have you seen any of the female Elvis impersonators? I've seen a couple. Yeah, they're very. Yeah, I'm very impressed. Actually, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's very cool. So uh, you know what? All the better. I think the more people get into Elvis, I'm I'm all for it. <laughs> me too. Me too. Me too. So you know what? We should uh, go back in time. And okay. uh, Elvis became big in 1954. And the first Elvis impersonator came in 1954. So that's pretty incredible. Guy named Carl Nelson from Arkansas. And uh, he was an Elvis fan and he decided to cover That's All Right Mama and Blue Moon of Kentucky uh, in Elvis's style. So he technically is listed as the first Elvis impersonator, Carl Nelson. And uh, what's even cooler is he actually performed with Elvis on stage at one point. So they, uh, they actually, they struck a friendship as well. And, uh, Elvis, uh, has talked about that before about Carl Nelson and 
his impersonation of him, and he loved it. Elvis, Elvis didn't hate the. He didn't dislike impersonators if they weren't being mean, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah. He uh, no, he he loved it, and uh, right up until the end of his life, he was uh, he enjoyed watching those, and and we'll get into a funny urban legend <laughs> later on. So yes, the first uh, first Elvis impersonator <clears throat> came shortly after Elvis became famous back in 1954. As crazy as that sounds. All right, what uh, what do you have next? Um, well, I got a gentleman named Michael McTarget. Michael McTarget, um, better known as Subway Elvis. Oh, you were telling me about him, yeah. Trontonians know that. Well, Trontonians <laughs> of a certain age know this guy because he used to um, he'd be on the subway doing Elvis, and he would go up and down the subway, you know, busking for money. Um, and he did a very good Elvis impersonation. There's actually documentaries about him. If you Google him, you'll you'll find him. But what's interesting about this guy? First of all, he did actually release a record. Oh, a wow. single called Now I Know, which didn't do anything. It's kind of bombed. He was originally from Tennessee, by the way. Uh, oh, Tony. Yeah, he wasn't from uh, Toronto. He was from, um, from Tennessee, which makes sense. Um, and he used to get busted on the subways all the time because it used to be illegal to perform. The days before you could get licenses and all that, you couldn't perform. But I find this interesting. He was actually falsely imprisoned for a series of trust company holdups in the late 80s. He was in prison for like 10 years. And and I just have to ask you, when they interviewed the witnesses, were they going, he looked like Elvis? That's right. Well, they do that. What what about the lineup? (laughs) The lineup would be great. Uh, Did did he thank them after? Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Anyways, he he was awarded $230,000 in damages. So he got released from prison. And the Ontario government had to pay him, at that time, this is in the 80s, quarter of a million dollars for his time in prison, which I thought was interesting. Poor guy, right? So when did he stop busking? Um, when he got busted, when he rusted. He was still busking in the 80s. I saw him when I used to go to college. He used to be on the subways, and it was only when he got arrested. Um, and he was in Halton, of all places, for, you know, I mean, <laughs> I don't I don't know. Did he take the go train out to Halton? I don't know. But anyways, um, yeah, he was he was arrested and he stopped after that. And it's a pity because I think he was really good. It was very oh, good. what a great story, though. So uh, we're going to take a look at uh, the urban legend that I was talking about. <laughs> I love this one. So according to an article in the Weekly World News, which is, of course, a gossip rag, the Weekly <laughs> World News, and uh, uh, Elvis appeared at an impersonation contest at a restaurant shortly before his death and placed third. So he didn't even win. <laughs> now, of course, um, this story is false and the weekly world news is known as a, as a rag. And, um, and this story has no truth to it. It's just a legend, but they think that the story may have been inspired by Charlie Chaplin, who actually did. Did you know that Charlie Chaplin actually entered a lookalike contest? No. No, he did. did. And he entered a Charlie Chaplin lookalike contest secretly. Yeah. And and he didn't win. <laughs> and they think that he came third. So perhaps that's where the urban legend about Elvis, uh, you know, going to a, an Elvis impersonation contest and coming third. But oh. uh I'm, I'm I'm stumped at Chaplin, first of all. But what a great story, though, right, Tony? Can you imagine? Yeah. I just love that story. 
Well, even just the fact that Chaplin didn't even win his own impersonation contest. That's can you, fabulous. Can you imagine? And then, uh, wow. That just, it's, uh, I wonder, did that hurt his ego or did that help his ego? I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? All right. What do you got next? Well, again, people of a certain age will remember this guy named Orion. His real name was Jimmy Ellis, um, American singer. Very similar voice to Elvis Presley. In fact, um, he recorded some songs, and instead of putting his name or Orion, they just put a question mark. And um, he continued the song after Elvis died, and there was rumors that he was Elvis. I mean, it was it, it got to the point where people thought maybe Elvis didn't die. He became Orion. He used to wear a mask on stage, so okay. you couldn't see his face. And he recorded with people like Loretta Lynn, Jerry Lee Lewis. I mean, he had a career. I mean, this guy was doing pretty well. Um, and then he kind of wanted to make a name for himself. So he took the mask off and he, of course, plummeted in popularity and ended up putting the mask back on. Uh, sad end. Uh, December 12th, 1998, he was murdered during a robbery in his own store. It was a pawn shop. Both he and his wife were, were killed by a guy named Jeffrey Lee. And uh, that was the end of Orion. Or was it? I'm uh, sorry. Uh, I mean, you know. <laughs> You know, we talked earlier in the season about Paul McCartney's death clues, right? Yeah. Are there clues to this well, as well? Or? Well, the, have you ever looked at the conspiracy that Elvis is still alive? But this, this guy helped fuel that fire because he did. If you go and listen to his tracks, he does sound remarkably close to He's not Elvis. I'm not saying he is. But I'm always interested in the two theories, right? One, Paul died and there's an imposter. This one is Elvis didn't die and he became an imposter. <laughs> yeah. But you know, that is, that has to be a conspiracy theory because um, Elvis, as we all know, lives in Tweed, Ontario. <laughs> We're going to get to that in a minute, aren't we? We'll have to touch on that maybe after the break, but you know what? Uh, you ready to take a break here? Sure. Sure. I am. So we're going to go to our music history moment. And Aaron, I've got a, a John Lennon music history moment. So we are going to cut to break and we'll be right back. On November 28th, 1974, John Lennon made his last ever concert appearance where he joined Elton John at Madison Square Gardens in New York City. Lennon performed three songs that evening, Whatever Gets You Through the Night, I Saw Her Standing There, and Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. His life ended tragically just over six years later when he was assassinated on December 8th, 1980. And now, let's get back to the show. And we're back. And uh, Aaron, you wanted to uh, add something about this uh, John Lennon music history moment. That was a great, great music history moment, by the way. Well, I just wanted to ask you, do you know how it came to be that John was on stage with Elton John for that show? I don't. So Elton John was helping John with um, a song called Whatever Gets You Through the Night on an album called Walls and Bridges. And up to this point, John Lennon never had a solo number one. He was the only Beatle. Ringo had number ones, Paul and George. Even Imagine didn't make number one as a single. The album did, but not the single. So he said to Elton John, he goes, well, thanks for helping me, but, you know, it's another flop for Johnny. And Elton John said, I'll bet you it makes number one. And John said, Never in a million years. And Alan John said, I'll make you a bet. If it goes to number one, you perform with me at the uh, Ma Madison Square Garden show on Thanksgiving. And it made number one. So, oh, wow. There you go. <laughs> so that's how John wound up on stage with Alan John. 
Oh, that's a great story. Yes, and and uh, that's also where he, he reunited with Yoko because oh. they had been apart for eighteen months, and Yoko was there, and you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. the rest is history, of course. So we are going to jump back into uh, our Elvis talk and um, the largest, because there are a lot of Elvis impersonators out there, and we'll talk about this later on, but uh, the largest ever that we know of gathering of Elvis impersonators occurred on the 12th of July in 2014. This is, this number astounds me when 895 impersonators gathered in the Harris Cherokee Casino Resort in Cherokee, North Carolina. So can you imagine almost no. 900 Elvis impersonators? Are you serious? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Imagine how, what that would have been like. I mean, was that the year of the uh, uh, hair cream shortage? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Just, uh, thank you. <laughs> I can't even imagine. I mean, it's just, it, it's, just it, it's, 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 and that's the population of a small town, Tony. That's right. All Elvises. Yep. Are there that's photographs? Incredible. Are there photos? I don't know. I'm going to actually, yeah, after we record tonight, I think I'm going to go take a look. I'd love to find a picture of that. I have to see a picture. <laughs> uh, we should, if we find a photo, folks, we'll put that in the uh, show notes for sure. Absolutely. So. Yep. 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 All right. What do you got next? We're down to number five here. Yeah. This is a weird one. Guy in, um, um, a, a gentleman in Belfast, born in Belfast, Ireland, Northern Ireland, James the King Brown. Now, James the King Brown is an Elvis tribute act, but with a twist. He does newer songs like Elvis. So he does Nirvana. He does Queen, ACDC. Oh. Uh, for, for those of you, yeah. <laughs> and he does them like Elvis. And he's put out, I think, I think, um, I got to be honest with you, his first album, great album title, Graveland. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, what do you say after that, right? I mean, it's just a great album title. He did yeah. Crazy Little Thing Called Love. He did A um, Whole Lot of Love. Yeah, you uh, sent me their Nirvana one the other day. That was hilarious. <laughs> and wasn't that great? Yeah. And he has a partner in crime, and I forget his name, but he does Johnny Cash in the same thing. He does Johnny Cash doing Joy Division and uh, New Order. But anyways... So James the King Brown, and he's very popular. This guy's huge in uh, Northern Ireland, actually all of Ireland. He's massive. And how I discovered him, I listen to Irish radio when I'm working on the internet, and they played him. Oh. <laughs> it was like, I'm hearing this song by Nirvana, and I'm thinking, that's not Nirvana. It's Elvis Presley doing it. And I'm thinking, how could that be? And I, sure enough, it was James the King Brown. So there you go. Oh, very cool. So I've got a good one here. Um, what do you got? Well, it takes a certain panache, you know, to pull off a, a good Elvis impersonation. And uh, there are three published how-to guides. Um, and I actually happen to own one of these high to guides. I saw the guides. photo. You know, yep. Are you, you, you going to talk about your... Uh... I could. I'll, so the, one, <laughs> the big one is called, of course, Be Elvis by Rick Marino. And I own that book. Yes, and you it, do. It, it was a gift. Um, do you want me to tell a story? I really do. I really, if, you, if you're okay with it, I, I love the story. I love the story. <laughs> this story is ridiculous, folks. So uh, I got that as a gift after I did an Elvis impersonation years ago. Uh-huh. So when I first started teaching at uh, the high school, the music program was so small. And on, on our first ever concert, that was my second year there. I mean, we had nowhere near enough 
material to even fill like an hour. So I decided, well, I'm going to do something. I'm going to say there's going to be a mystery guest. And I didn't tell anybody. And uh, so, you know, the audience just knew there was going to be a mystery guest. And uh, it was me uh, dressed up as over the hill, um, heavy set <laughs> Elvis. And uh, I had one of my one of my grade 12 kids uh, dressed in a karate outfit. And he was uh, my karate trainer because Elvis is a big karate fan. And uh, the whole shtick was uh, um, I got I got wheeled onto stage in a wheelchair because, oh, you know, dear. Elvis coming out of retirement. And then I hopped up out of the wheelchair and I was going to show my karate prowess. And I was talking in a pretty good Elvis voice too. And uh, I told my, uh, you know, my personal trainer there to get out the, uh, the prop. And he, so we had a big baguette, you know, one of those French bread baguette things, the big, long, skinny ones. And I was going to karate chop that just to demonstrate that the, you know, the King still had it going on. And uh, this is in front of, parents and everything else. Right? It's, it's, it's so ridiculous when I think back about it now, but I went to in, live on stage, went to karate chop the baguette. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you've noticed, but baguettes have a pretty hard crust on them. And, uh, I happened to catch my, uh, palm oh, on dear. a piece of crust that was sticking out and I ripped my palm open when I karate chopped it. So I'm standing up there bleeding, of course. And, uh, we just made it part of the shtick and then I wrapped it, you know, I put something around it to soak up the blood and I sang a couple of tunes and I'm trying to remember what I sang. I sang, um, suspicious minds. And, uh, then I went down on the audience and I think I did can't help falling in love with you and serenaded a couple of parents. And anyway, it was very, very funny. And, um, I think the image of you in a wheelchair karate chopping, I, yeah. Well, I had hopped out of the, yeah, I'd hopped out of the wheelchair at that point and, oh. and was doing like, you know, remember uh, the footage of Elvis doing his karate chops oh. and stuff before he'd go on stage. So I was doing all that stuff. And, uh, and then I, yeah, cut myself when I went to a karate chop the bread <laughs> and uh, it was, it was as ridiculous as it sounds oh folks. That's, it was totally hilarious. And but, what's sad uh, is in today's world, that would have been captured on a phone. Oh my goodness, for sure. <laughs> right, it would be like. <laughs> yeah, right now it's just an urban legend because people didn't have phones back then. So. <laughs> but uh, yeah, great time. And, and uh, you know, uh, a couple of days later, I uh, one of the parents got me that uh, book by Rick Marino as a gift. And uh, it's a great book, actually. It's, it's very cool. So that's my Elvis story. I love it. I mean, how do you top that? <laughs> I need to pop that. Well, I'll I'll let you try here. I'm so, gonna try. Uh, I'm gonna fail because that's I just I'm still getting this image of you. And at the fact that you cut yourself on the bread, I know what you mean. I know that the crust is hard. I know that, but yeah, it, it was just hard. ludicrous. Yeah. Oh, the stick is just brilliant. That's like a, a good Saturday Night Live skit. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, keeping with the humor, it's you, you know Stan Freeberg. Does that name ring a bell? No. So Stan Freeberg, you know he was he was a you know, folks, I'm only 56, but you'd think I was 100. Um, he was big in the 40s and 50s. He had a radio show called the Stan, Free Stan Freeberg Show. But he was he was famous for his parodies. And in fact, he had a number one hit single called St. George and the Dragnet, which was Joe Friday searching for, <laughs> searching for the dragon. It's very funny. Um, it was a great parody on the TV show Dragnet and everything else. But he did a parody. He was one of the first people to parody Elvis Presley. And if you can find it on um, 
on the, on YouTube or whatever, he does uh, he does Elvis. And during the song, first there's two things that happen. One is they keep increasing the echo. So by the end of it, it's just pure <laughs> echo. And at one point he starts singing and he says, I just ripped my jeans. That's the third pair today. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a very funny, very funny. Um, Elvis didn't find it funny. Just putting it out there. Uh, but it, it's, you know, folks, it's well worth your three minutes to find Stan Freeberg doing Elvis. It's it's really, really, really very funny. Um, at one point, he, he asks if someone could turn him off because of the echo. He's like, someone turn me off. <laughs> Stan Freeberg, comic genius, comic genius. Anyway, so that's, that's but it's, you see, it's still no loaf of bread, man. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, I think I'm laughing a little too hard here to uh, carry on. So this sounds like a great spot for our second break. And we've got a very special birthday uh, that we're celebrating because he is still with us. So mm-hmm. here's our birthday segment, and then we'll be right back. Today, we're celebrating an important birthday. Barry Gordy Jr., the founder of Motown Records, turns 91. Motown Records started with the Miracles in 1957, but went on to sign some of the biggest names in the music business, including The Supremes, Marvin Gaye, The Temptations, The Four Tops, Gladys Knight and the Pips, Stevie Wonder, and The Jackson Five. The impact of Motown Records on rock and roll history can't be overstated. Happy birthday, Mr. Gordy. Man, it's hard to imagine, um, you know, rock and roll without uh, a guy like Barry Gordy. What a huge influence. And uh, you had something you wanted to add to that. Well, it's kind of an interesting sidebar. He had a sister, has a sister named Anna. And Anna Gordy was married to Marvin Gaye. Now, unfortunately, they got married in 63. By 73, they had split up. And by 76... Marvin Gaye was wanted by the police because he wasn't paying child support or alimony. So it gets to court. Now, he's still signed to Motown. Keep this in mind, right? So his <laughs> the label owner's sister is suing him. The court says you have to do an album and the money goes to your ex-wife. So he did an album called Here, My Dear. Oh, so my gosh. He did. And one of the songs on the album is called you can leave, but it's going to cost you. I mean, it's a very bitter album. Oh, my. And it came out of Motown, Tony. Like, oh, oh my wow. gosh. It's just like, whoa. So, yeah, that's my Barry Gordy. Have you been to the um, Motown Museum in Detroit? I have not. I've never been to Detroit, so I'd oh, like to go. That's such a great tour, man. It's great. I highly recommend it. Well, Hitsville, USA, right? So Yeah. yeah. Listen, I go again, road trip. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> You know, in every every episode, we say, "Hey, we got to do an episode about that." But we do. There's a there's another episode in the making, all about Motown, or even a two parter. Man, that's fabulous. Hundred percent, hundred percent, love Motown. So we are down to our final two. Uh, so I'll kick it off, and yeah, um, go ahead. So when Elvis died, there were about a hundred and seventy Elvis impersonators. So. It was a thing. And Elvis, uh, as we mentioned earlier in the show, appreciated a good impersonation. But today, uh, estimates range anywhere from about 250,000 to 400,000 Elvis impersonators. In the world? Yeah, in the world. And so so that's a lot of impersonators. And uh, in Las Vegas, of course, um, 
there are at least six wedding chapels in Las Vegas with an Elvis who will perform uh, wedding ceremonies. So if you want to get married by Elvis, there's at least six of them there that will do that. So I thought that was pretty cool. Oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I have nothing to add. <laughs> yeah. Like, can you imagine? 400,000 Again, Elvis impersonators, right? Like that's huge. It's a, it's just, that's a medium sized city. Yeah. And you know that I think it's cool how uh, now, you know, you've got Asian Elvis and stuff and mm-hmm. like, and female Elvis impersonators. And I, you know, Elvis just resonates with a lot of people. Absolutely. And you know, I mean, the, there's also, I mean, you, you know, I was just thinking, you know, there's also been those TV shows, Kurt Russell played a young Elvis and he did a pretty convincing young Elvis. There's a TV show. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, I mean, he knew Elvis, but it was, there's been a few TV movies and things like that with people playing Elvis, some very convincing, some not so good, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he obviously resonates with a lot of people. He does. So let's take it to our, uh, well, you know what, before we do our number one, we had said we were going to talk about that whole tweed thing. So for anybody who doesn't know this, there were rumors for years, years. and years and years that Elvis was living in um, Tweed, Ontario. And do you know, Aaron, about the Elvis Sighting Society? Have you ever heard those guys? About no, those guys? I, I, I want to Google it, though. So okay. go ahead. I wanna... so, so that's an Ottawa thing. That started in Ottawa. Um, you went to University of Ottawa back in I the did. day, right? Yep. Did you, did you ever uh, go to Moe's World Famous Newport Restaurant? Of course. Okay. Of so course. You, was it decorated in Elvis memorabilia then? Yes, so, I was. So the first meeting of the Elvis Sighting Society was held at Moe's world-famous Newport restaurant, and it became a thing, the, the Elvis Sighting Society. And in fact, at one point, I think the height of their fame, they got invited to appear on the Jerry Springer show. No way. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that. Yep. And That's fantastic. Uh, isn't that wild? So, yeah, the Elvis Sighting Society and the free shout out to uh, Moe's World Famous Newport Restaurant. Is it, is it still I love there? That place. It, as far as I know, I mean, I, I don't know if the quarantine or the pandemic has affected it, but uh, we used to go there all the time. The kids loved it. Oh, you know? what, what's not to love, Tony? It's great. Yeah. <laughs> and for anybody who hasn't been there, just imagine, a, you know, an old school diner, but just covered with Elvis <laughs> everywhere. It's everywhere. fabulous. And the menu is uh, all play on words from Elvis songs and oh, it's fabulous. Fantastic place. I loved it. Yeah. So number one, and I think we both agreed, this has got to be number one. He's he's number one, man. In my book, number one. All right, go ahead. Well, I'll just, I'll mention his name and we, and actually you told me that Elvis liked his impersonation of, I mean, Elvis approved of him, right? Yes. And of course, folks, we're talking about Andy Kaufman, the, the great, the great. I mean, he was hilarious as a comedian, but his Elvis Presley in person, it, it just was, I think, one of the best ever. What do you think? I think so. And they say that's like, if you want to learn how to be an Elvis impersonator, you know, watch uh, Andy Kaufman. Um, incredible. And and the, his shtick, though, is, <laughs> is he gets up there, right? He would get up there and do these really bad, awful impressions as if he was bombing, you know, and then he'd say... I'd like to do an impression of, in that voice of his, of, yeah. of Mr. Elvis Presley. And he would turn around and, and start ripping off the sides of his pants and he'd have the pants underneath and, the, <laughs> and then, you know, start combing his hair with his back to the audience. And he would transform he would. in front of your eyes to yeah. Elvis Presley. It was, I, 
And I think he got lost in that too. I mean, the, the downside was he got kind of lost with it. If, if, if what I've read is true, I mean, he, I mean, it kind of overtook him in a sense, mm-hmm. you know, which is a shame. But he was good, man. And so only, you know, the only thing I like as much as that was when he did Mighty Mouse. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, he's he's brilliant. Yeah, he was. He was brilliant. brilliant. And um, his his Elvis, though, I can't think of a better impersonation. And he not only the singing, but the mannerisms, the yeah, he was channeling Elvis. There's no question. Even the face. He would yep. do the facial. Like he got the face down pat. And he did it out of love. I don't think he was ever making fun of Elvis Presley. No, no. It was a tribute, 100%. Yeah. For sure. Was, he was a fan. He had to have studied film of this guy, right? Because Yes. To your point, he did transform in front of your eyes. His whole body would change. Yes. Yeah, because he would be, uh, you know, this introverted little guy who was on stage bombing up there and he would turn around and, and start getting ready to be Elvis and you would see him over the course of what about a minute eh? I yeah. think in these clips yeah, yeah. And, and, and he was by the time he turned around he was Elvis and I was like wow yeah great stuff great great man We've gone far too soon far too soon yes for sure so folks there you have it 10 things that we think you should know about Elvis impersonators and of course we can't uh not tie this into the Beatles. So let's get ready for six degrees of Beatlemania. All right, Mr. Badgley, hit me with some Beatlemania. Well, you know that the Beatles were huge Elvis fans. And in fact, John Lennon once said there was nothing before Elvis. And, and, uh, he influenced the Beatles big time. Now, people know that the Beatles only met Elvis once. Ringo mm-hmm. met him twice, but the Beatles as a group only met him once. And if you watch the documentary, I'm bringing this up for a reason. If you watch the documentary anthology, you get three Beatles talking about the time they met Elvis. And they all have very different stories. <laughs> <laughs> so George says, I seem to remember coming into the room and he's sitting on the couch with a, with a, a, a guitar and then Ringo cut, they cut to Ringo. Ringo goes, well, I thought we came in from the basement and he was watching television. And then Paul says, you know, I think we came into the kitchen and he was at the jukebox. And, and anyways, the three very different stories, but the, the, the kicker was that what we do know is true is that at one point the Beatles just sat and stared at Elvis and Elvis finally said, Y'all got to say something or I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the the only time the four Beatles. Now, Elvis, because he played Vegas so much, Ringo saw him in Vegas and Ringo met him at, at, at Las Vegas. But that's the Beatle connection is that they only met him the one time and they were huge, huge, huge fans. Yeah, very cool. That's my Beatle thing. Yep. Excellent. Can you believe that we're already wrapping up episode eight here of this season I, I you know all i can say is thank you for inviting me to be part of this because this has been an absolute blast and i it's just flown by yeah hasn't it we've only got two more episodes and, and you know uh, what that before means. the season's over and but you know what that means christmas is know. coming christmas is coming and you know what because the stewie tune show is the gift that keeps on giving we have something special for you. We are going to have a Christmas bonus. So after season three, episode 10, when the season is supposed to be officially over, we're going to give you one more episode 
and it's going to be called the Christmas bonus. And uh, we haven't figured out what it's going to be about yet, but we know the title. We thought the title was rather clever. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, cause you're a teacher and I'm a social worker. I don't get Christmas bonuses. So I'm, you know, <laughs> <laughs> same here. <laughs> So, uh, so the Christmas bonus will be very, very fun, and uh, that'll be a nice tradition to start, too, I think. I think so, yes. And you know what? It's a good year to start it. I agree. So that's all we have for today. Um, as always, you know, uh, please pass the word to your friends and family, uh, anybody who you think might enjoy listening to this show. Uh, they can find us on their favorite podcast app. Just look for the Stewie Tunes show or visit us online, stewietunes.com. We've got all the episodes on there as well. Subscribing is always the best, of course, but uh, that gives you uh, first uh, updates whenever there is a new episode coming out. And uh, Aaron, it's been a pleasure as always. So until next episode, stay safe. Be well. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Stewie Tunes Show. Follow us on social media or visit us online at stewietunes.com. And if you're enjoying the show, don't forget to click subscribe.